0: Welcome back, hour two. Beamer in for Bowerly here on News Radio nine thirty W B E N. Glad to be with you on this Friday eight oh three oh nine thirty star nine thirty. That's the number to get on if you'd like to uh, call in. Talking about uh, a few things carried over from the last hour, um, and uh, would like your input on the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board and on the phones. At 8.03-0930. I thought this was funny. Um, Dick Vitale, you know, the ESPN commentator, he was live-tweeting the Lions-Packers game last night. The Lions-Packers game was not happening last night. It was a replay on the NFL Network, and he was live-tweeting it as it was live. He uh, was finally told of this, and he said... Quote, I was absolutely fooled. Hysterical. I thought Lions-Packers game was played tonight. Give me a turnover, baby. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. Thought I'd share that with you. Uh, Talking about a few things, as I mentioned. uh, The one thing that we were kind of focusing on is the the focus on CPR since uh, the incident on Monday. And... You know, I think a lot of people fell into the same, uh, again, mindset that I fell into uh, just a few years ago when I said, I'm not going to do that. You know, and and I got to be honest. There is a part of me that is concerned that, you know, I would be nervous that I was doing something wrong. I'd be nervous that. But I think with the right certification, um, you, you get the confidence that, all okay, right, I can, I can do this. I can save someone's life. I can be, you know, again, I think it's a duty to go and get this training. And I like what this texter said on the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. Uh, they said, I think CPR should be required in school, maybe in gym or health from middle school till high school graduation. And I don't think that's an awful idea. You know, you, you do the training in school. It's a, a week of classes. Right. Um, and then, you know, also uh, the AED and, and make sure you know how to uh, how to use that. Uh, I know someone called into David's show earlier and said that, um, you know, those machines now are pretty much self-explanatory. But again, without proper training on an AED, I'm not really sure that I would feel comfortable picking that up. And and using it. You know what I mean? I um again, I think after training you gain that confidence, and that's why I would do training. I would do training for CPR and on how to use the um, AED. And I think after Monday, I, I would hope I'm speaking for most people when I say that you know I, I've been moved to do that. And maybe it is something that we need to speak that we need to teach in class, in health class. You know, I mean it's a pretty important thing of health knowing how to um how to administer life-saving CPR i uh i read on twitter this week where you know someone was recounting about an experience they had in high school um and if it were, if it weren't for people in the school that thanks to you know training they had outside of school the person very well would not be with us today And again, it's those stories that are coming out, those stories that really, I think, um, well, they touch people and it, it pushes them to, okay, what am I doing that I can't give a few hours to a few courses to be certified in CPR and AED? And we'll also open this up now to people who either have been trained for CPR or someone whose life has been saved by CPR or an AED. and tell your stories 8030930 star 930 and you know how you were if you've learned to do CPR what what was the reason now a lot of you it was for work it was for you know if you're in the medical field if you're i think firefighters have to learn CPR right you know but what's pushed you to um to learn CPR, someone else said I'm a Red Cross CPR instructor. CPR standards of care change every five years, usually making it easier to do and providing better care. You should take CPR every two years to stay certified and stay current, as well as be allowed to practice. It is time and money well spent. What do you think? Eight oh three oh nine thirty star nine thirty. Colleen is in Buffalo. Colleen, you have a story of uh of CPR.
1: Yes, yes I do. So thank you for having me on. Um, I just wanted to say that I've been, my hearts have been with um, my daughter's rescuers. Uh, she was rescued in, in, in her uh, gym class in 2014 when she was 13 years old. And um, I've been thinking about them this week. However, um, I also work as a school counselor and in New York State, we have a graduation requirement for hands only CPR for all high school seniors. Um, It it was recognized in 2015 by the the hard work and efforts of a lot of heart parents, as we call them in New York, um, who lobbied in Albany at the State Education Department, and it is a graduation requirement now. Um, Things have kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside because of the COVID um, pandemic and the restrictions you know, the past couple of years with having a bunch of kids around a mannequin or, you know, for whatnot, but um, it is definitely a graduation requirement here in New York, and the parents here in New York also help other states with their certifications and their um, graduation requirements. Uh, so I just wanted you to know that they definitely have that in New York State.
0: Let me ask you, <laughs> now, it, it, it's a requirement to have before you graduate. When do they start uh, the training in schools in New York State?
1: So it's not, you know, full, like, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. It's hands-only CPR. So what they normally do is bring in, you know, certified instructors. Um, it's usually a part of their gym class um, where they come in and they show the kids, you know, how to recognize when somebody is in cardiac arrest because that is um, obviously the main part of it, is to recognize that somebody is not breathing um, or you know, in need of CPR, and then to start the repetition for CPR, and then they, um, they call nine one one, and for instance, so they know um, basic resuscitation until EMTs can be on the scene and, and things like that. So, um, and they are taught. I believe most schools are able to do it within one workshop, so it's not, you know, a lengthy. Part. Some do it as part of their health class because health is a requirement also in high school.
0: Colleen, you said your daughter was saved from cardiac arrest in uh, 2014. Um, who was the first to uh, to administer CPR? Was it, were there students that were trained? Was it teachers?
1: It, they were teachers, thank God, but students alerted the teachers. So, you know, thankfully she was outside on the track, but... Um, and it just so happened to be a very hot day in September. So the football coaches were outside. Um, the other gym teachers were outside. So all, you know, there, there was a huge amount of staff around. Um, when the students, you know, got the attention of teachers, um, they ran over and started CPR. Um, one thing I, I do want to say also is that the AED, what is crucial, and not all machines Um, people kind of have it because they're supposed to have it in their building and then they forget about it or they don't, uh, keep the battery updated or whatever. And most, uh, I I don't know the statistics, but I, I've been told that she was very, very lucky that it happened in the, you know, in September when all the machines were looked at and everybody just had their training and everything was up to date and, um, things kind of worked in our favor, obviously, in that case, um. But we did a fundraiser uh, at the one year anniversary of her uh, survival date and we raised money for more AED machines and the school was like, well, we have some, it's okay. And I'm like, no, because you have them in the front of your building. You have them, you know, maybe around, but she was all the way on the back track. Um, So her school was you know, very lucky that they had, you know, walkie-talkies. The teachers used their cell phones because they had their personal numbers on their cell phones. And they had a golf cart that they ran the AED all the way out to the back field. So we did have money where we uh, bought more AEDs, and um, I asked that they also have them on the buses when they do cross-country or lacrosse because those sports tend to get forgotten about. And they practice in remote locations you know like parks or whatever and they admitted like no we don't really bring AED machines to practice because we never really thought about it um so that was something that we helped to do for our school and I'm hoping that this you know renewed attention to it will help other schools know like bring the AED machines to practice have them on the buses you know um because that's when, you know, you know, you just never know when, it, when a kid goes down.
0: For sure. Colleen, what was your daughter's recovery like?
1: Uh, very similar. So this is hitting really close to home. Very similar to what we're hearing with Damar. Um, her, you know, respiratory failure, aspiration, whatever, lasted a little bit longer. Um, but I, I'm feeling very, very confident that Damar going to be completely okay. You know, he's, he's going to be a rock star. So... Um, I'm excited.
0: What, now? You, you said when she went into cardiac arrest, she was on the track outside. Was she able to run again, to partake in gym class again um, at any time? And how long until she was able to do regular activities again?
1: Ooh, it took a long time. She was actually a swimmer. She was a competitive swimmer. And, um, you know, that was difficult. But her doctors, you know, signed off and everything and said, you know what, she's stay for now, she has an internal defibrillator, um, let her swim, you know, and so, you know, she did go back to swim, you know, she, she had a very, you know, she did it for one year because it was too difficult to maintain that, uh, you know, her situation's different from Tamar. she actually has a heart issue, but um, she, she was able to resume some activity and, and she's been, she's been great ever since, she's, you know, doing really well now.
0: Colleen, I'm, I'm really glad you called in and shared your story. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me
0: on. That is Colleen in Buffalo. Opens the line for you, 803-0930, star 930. Volkswagen of Orchard Park, text boards, 803-0930. Let's go to Emily on Grand Island. Emily, good afternoon.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. You have a, a story of using CPR.
2: Yeah, so I am a certified surgical technologist, and part of my job is knowing CPR, and my middle child on Thanksgiving weekend in 2016, um, I actually found dead. And so I had to give her CPR, and thankfully she came back. Um, but after that incident, my brother and my sister, who were there for the event, quickly went and learned CPR because they have kids. And, you know, it really affected everybody.
0: Emily, uh, what was, um, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Colleen. What was the recovery like? You know, obviously you found them dead, you brought them back. What was their recovery like?
2: She is now six years old and um, she has a little speech issue, um, but besides that, she's thriving.
0: Now, would you say your training, uh, you know, because I think of that, and if I walked and saw someone dead, I I feel I would freak out. I mean, do, do you think your training is why you're able to act so quickly?
2: Absolutely. Um, The mother and me completely left, and um, so I worked in labor and delivery for 15 years, and seeing babies come out not breathing, you know, issues with moms, the panic really didn't affect me. I was kind of numb to it, because you train yourself to be, to just work on the patient. So the mother and me just left, and I freaked out. I regained my calmness, and I said, all right, let's give her CPR, and you know, it just kind of thank God for that training and years of like seeing
0: it. That's amazing. That's uh, that's absolutely amazing. The, these stories, I'm telling you. I, I hope we push more and more people to get uh, trained uh, CPR training. Emily, thank you so much for the call. Thanks. That is Emily on Grand Island. Opens the line for you eight zero three zero nine thirty star nine thirty. And that is my my. Concerned, but again, like Emily said, I think if you're, if you're certified, obviously she saw a lot more in her field. Um, but I feel like if, I, if I'm certified, that confidence factor will help me kind of ease the, oh my gosh, what, what just happened? You know, I mean, the freaking out is what I'm concerned of. Um, and, 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 you know, I think, again, you go through the training, maybe you'll be able to, you know, less freak out. Okay, I know what I'm doing here. I know what I'm doing. Let's, let's get to work. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Tonawanda. Kevin, uh, good afternoon. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Doing well, Kevin.
3: Okay, good. Uh, I'm a, I'm a retired um, um, critical care nurse, and I really can't add too much more than what one of your previous callers uh, put down or, or uh, spoke about having AEDs in the school, uh, because CPR in and of itself um, is just a stopgap measure. It's a bridge. And what you really need to have is an AED to uh, to get the heart restarted. Um, So I I think one of the important things we need to come away with is if someone is going to be taking a class in in, in CPR, they should also look into taking a class on how to use an AED. Uh, Even though the instructions have a tendency to talk you through everything uh, uh, automatically uh, on the machine, it does not necessarily, um, with, with training, become more comfortable. So I, I think that would be important as well.
0: Now, you said it's, it's a stopgap. So it, 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 say someone's in the situation that we saw on Monday. Someone should be administering CPR while someone is getting an AED uh, machine. Is that, is that the process?
3: Yes. The CPR always starts first. And I might add that in the community now, community CPR is hands only. So if anyone is concerned about having to you know, mouth-to-mouth while they're giving CPR, that's not uh, standard for the, uh, for the community now. Uh, it's strictly hands only.
0: Now, Kevin, tell me this: What what if you're in a situation you know CPR, but there is not an AED machine uh, nearby? What is the what's the correct way to handle that?
3: Well, basically, just CPR and wait until somebody uh, for for the for the responder for the basic responder for uh, in the in the in the um, um, in the community for community CPR is basically just uh, um, CPR until the person themselves become exhausted and can't continue they have someone to relieve them or or the aed comes
0: on site so now now, uh, this might be a ridiculous question i apologize so you're waiting for the aed to shock the heart what is the what is cpr doing while you're waiting for that aed what's that doing to the person who has you know whose heart has stopped
3: well basically what you're trying to perfuse is the brain uh may get a little bit of um blood to the heart itself through the compressions. But basically what you're trying to do is perfuse the brain and keep the brain going. Even with CPR, um, sometimes you're going to see uh, organ damage, even if CPR is done 100% correctly um, because of the uh, amount of blood that's getting to the, uh, to the liver and the kidneys is, is greatly reduced. However, you are getting enough blood to the, to the brain in the short term to keep the brain going. It's not anything that's meant for long term, obviously, but it's something that
0: can um, keep the brain going. Kevin, I really appreciate the insight. Thank you so much for the call. You have a good day. You too. Kevin in Tanawanda opens the line for you. 803-0930, star 930. Josh, I'm going to take one more, all right? We'll just move some spots down. All right. Uh, I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, let's go to Barb on a cell. Barb, thanks for calling in. Good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon. I want to tell you that I was an elementary school teacher, and I also taught at the BAC for years, so I had to have CPR classes every two years, which helped me, of course, in both jobs. I had to do CPR twice in my life to the two most important people in my life, my mother and my husband. Um, I was very successful with my mother. It was on an airplane. And surprisingly, none of the flight attendants uh, admitted to knowing how to do CPR, So I administered it to my mother on a long flight, and she survived and was able to have a wonderful vacation afterwards. Uh, Sadly, I did it also to my husband uh, when he was suddenly and unexpectedly stricken, and I'm sorry to say that I was not able to resuscitate him. However, as sad as that is and tragic as it is for me, it was very validating that I was able to do something to help him, or what I thought was helping him, so that while I was calling 911 and waiting, that I was able to productively think I was helping. Now, I will tell you, the best thing that was said to me that day was from the undertaker, as of course I was extremely upset and thought maybe I did CPR wrong, and he reassured me that absolutely, I did not do it wrong, that there was nothing I could have done. So I want people to know that it's, it works and it's wonderful, but I think you are absolutely right to be able to know how to do it, to not be afraid. You're not gonna hurt the person. Most times it works, sadly for me, once it didn't, and, but at least I know I was able to do it and I wasn't standing there helpless. So I think it's absolutely essential that everybody learn.
0: I, I, I'm so sorry to hear about your husband, Barb, but I'm glad that that person was able to tell you that it wasn't something you did because I'm sure that would have uh, I'm sure that reassurance was uh, was nice to hear in such a difficult time.
4: hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I think people have to understand that sometimes we just don't have control well, we mostly don't have control, but you know what I'm saying. But anyway, um, but I do think it's essential that children, adults, seniors all know it, and you really can't do it wrong. And you just, you feel like you are helping, you're doing the right thing. So I strongly encourage everyone to take a class.
0: Barb, thank you so much for the call. I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you, you too. Barb on a cell opens the line for you. eight hundred three zero nine thirty. 930 star 930 after news. We're getting right back to calls. It's Beamer in for Bowerly here on News Radio 930 WBEN. All Mercy, look what just walked
5: through that door.
0: In for Bowerly here on News Radio 930 WBEN. You know, all the times Travis Tritt has come to Buffalo, I have yet to see Travis Tritt in concert. He's here like every summer, and I have yet to go see him. It'll happen, though. It'll happen. Welcome back. As I said, my name is Joe Beamer. I mean for Bowerly. Here on News Radio 930, W-B-E-N. Taking your calls, 803 930 star 930 and uh, your text at 8030930 asking you your stories of using CPR maybe your stories of CPR saving your life and being trained on CPR and specifics that you know go into CPR AED usage uh and all that 803-0930. David's on a cell David actually texted in uh, and I read his text on the air so David you're with the uh, American Red Cross. And um, tell us a little bit about what goes into these CPR trainings and what it takes to get certified.
5: Yeah, sure. So CPR training, um, the classes are all over the place in terms of level of training. So a nurse or a doctor or myself being a ski patroller, we're going to have a higher level of training normally called pro rescuer. And it goes all the way down to hands only. Um, There's some confusion on the level of classes. is why I actually called in. So there is actually a hands-only CPR class, but the American Heart Association and the American Red Cross do have lay responder CPR. Those classes do involve breathing for someone in addition to providing compressions, and they each class is between two and a half and four hours of your time. They come in all sorts of different formats, um, and and they'll come to your business. You can go to one of the locations, but... These community-level CPR, they all include AED training. Um, And as I texted in before, the guidelines, there's something called the Emergency Cardiovascular Care Guidelines, and that's that ECC conference is where all of the organizations, not just the Red Cross, not just the American Heart, they all get together every five years. They review the scientific data on CPR, and they evaluate what's most effective, and they make changes based on those recommendations. And one of those things a couple years ago was that CPR could not be taught without AED because the two go hand in hand. And in the most recent revision of CPR, if you show up to a scene and an AED is available you, and you don't find a pulse or they're not breathing, you don't even waste time with CPR. You get the machine right on them right away, and you, you let the machine do its thing. After the machine tells you whether or not it's going to shock, and if it does shock, you wait till it shocks, Then you go into CPR. There's a lot of changes with it, but the classes range from two and a half hours of your time all the way up to about six if you're taking that, that high level. And they come with different modules too. Some of them even include training on naloxone, which is Narcan. Some include training on using oxygen, but they all, all of them at that base level, they include training you on CPR and on AED, gives you practice with the mannequins. Practice is what's most important, Joe, If you're not practicing, it doesn't matter if you watched a YouTube video or if you took a class once and then eight years later you encounter a situation. Without practicing, you won't have that muscle memory, and you will get, you know, fearful. You might even get paralyzed, and you won't know what to do.
0: See, that's, that's the, the concern I have that I think you know I, I'm looking forward to the training because I, I don't want to have incidents where I freak out. Like if I'm put in that situation and, and I'm trained, I want to be able to jump right into action. Now, the AED, you said there are instances where you don't even go to CPR, you go right to AED. Um, is that part of the training? Will, will you know when to uh, to use the AED instead of CPR?
5: Absolutely. They'll
0: tell you that if you arrive on a scene
5: and you find someone without breathing and without a pulse, if that AED is with you, you go right to that AED. You turn it on, you put the pads on, and you let it do its thing. And it might be, Joe, that you get to a point where you put that AED on, you don't have a pulse, they're not breathing, and the AED will tell you that there's no shockable rhythm. And that's because the AED only corrects certain rhythms of a a heart, mainly Uh, One where the heart's like quivering or shaking and it's not pumping, but it has an electrical charge, and one where it's pumping too fast. The chambers aren't filling with blood, um, and, and that electrical current needs to be reset. An AED will not restart a dead heart. There has to be an electrical current in the heart for the AED to do its thing, and that's okay if it doesn't. CPR is still very much effective, as, as the emergency uh, nurse called in and said that it profuses the brain, it's providing blood, but also it's providing oxygen, and that's what keeps the brain alive.
0: David, I, I want to go. Uh, um, we had Colleen call in, and you know, she was talking about AEDs in school and you know, uh, checking these machines. How often should you check the AED? Say it's at your place of business, it's at a school. Maybe you have one at home. Uh, is this you know, we, we talked about during the storm testing your uh, carbon monoxide detector? Is, is an AED something you should you should you know take out and, and make sure is is working, is ready, is, is on call?
5: absolutely so colleen made a couple of great points about the aeds in school i know when i was in middle school was when there was an incident very similar to damar a girl in alden was hit in the chest by a softball and it did the exact same thing that happened to damar and after that all of the schools were required to have aeds aeds should be checked every six months to a year depending on the manufacturer and you're checking two things you're checking both the battery function you're checking the cabinet that it's in, but you're also checking the pads. The pads expire, and that's because they have a conductive gel, very similar to the, the pads they put on you when you get an EKG. That gel expires. Now, that's not to say in an emergency situation, if you grab the only AED available and the pads are expired, you shouldn't use them, because they'll they'll work a little bit. will you know it it comes down to will they stick, right? So. You should be checking this, you know, some, it's based on the, what the manufacturer tells you. Normally, it's between six months to a year, and you're checking where it's stored, the battery, and the pads. And you don't have to take the pads out of their packaging. There's normally a stamp or a sticker on it that tells you the expiration date.
0: David, if we're looking for, you know, a lot of people looking for uh, CPR instructions, uh, certification, where can we go to sign up and, you know, find the class that works right for us?
5: Oh, gee, so I am an American Red Cross instructor, but I will say I don't speak for the brand or the company, so I'm gonna just put that out there right there. I do like the Red Cross, it's why I train under them, but there's many good organizations out there. You can go to redcross.org and find a class. You can go to the American Heart Association, the National Safety Council. You could probably even call your local fire department. I know where I live in Hamburg and in Lakeview, they're already saying learn CPR. You could probably call them, they run classes. They'll be happy to have you. Um, schools, community organizations, uh, you know, you name it. They, everybody's offering CPR, uh, and and so, it, like I said, your local fire department is a great place. American Heart Association's red uh, or Red Cross's websites, um, and and they will have all the class options available. And if you know a friend who is a CPR instructor, they can teach it to you too.
0: David, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, have a good weekend, and uh, I'm sure you know you and, and you know all, all these people out there that are putting this since Monday. I think it's really urging people to go and get this training. Uh, and I, I really think it's starting to become that thing where it's a duty to have this kind of training and, and be ready if put in that situation. Hey, I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm happy to help. Thanks so much for taking my call. Hey, thanks, David. David Ansel opens the line for you. 8030930, star 930. Let's go to West Seneca and talk with Mary. Mary, you have a story of CPR saving someone's life.
6: Hi, Joe. Um, yes, I do. And um, it was back in like the mid 80s. We were at a Bills game, and uh, it was wretched at the time. And I'm walking through the parking lot with my girlfriend, who is an RN. And a woman in a wheelchair was gagging, and she could not catch her breath. It was very scary. The people she was with were, like, just panicking. You could just see it, and you could feel it. They didn't know what to do. So my girlfriend, Erin, she just walks calmly behind the woman and gives her the Heimlich maneuver. And, again, the woman was in a wheelchair, but she was able to do this. So whatever was lodged in her throat did come out, and she saved this woman's life. I'm I'm certain of that. And the thing is, it, it, what caught me the most is, like, she just walked away. Like, the people, they were so happy to see their family member or friend saved, and she was breathing, and they were all gathering around her. And me and Aaron, we just walked away, and it was like nothing. You know, like I'm sure she felt happy about it and stuff like that. I'm not saying it, but it was just so natural for her to do something like that. That's that's as a nurse.
0: that's incredible. And yet the Heimlich maneuver, Mary. That's another thing that you know. There's the there's the 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 signs that we see at the doctor's office, the sign at school, maybe even some restaurants. They have the sign, but most of us, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable performing the Heimlich maneuver.
6: Right. Mm-hmm. And no one with her was either. I mean, I, again. No one seemed to be trained there, and to this day, I just feel and, and see that panic that they were experiencing, and, you know, it, it just was remarkable that she was able to do that.
0: That's incredible, and, and, and like you said, you just be able to walk away, let them enjoy it, but I'm sure she had that, uh, that feeling of, you know, I did good, I, I, I was able to save a life. That's, I, I think, you know, again, it's, it's that duty of knowing what to do in case you're put in that situation.
6: Exactly. Because it really could pop out of nowhere. She didn't even hesitate because she knew what she was doing. You know, she just went in there calmly, did what she needed to do, and as a trained RN, was just able to accomplish that. So I'm just so happy I witnessed it.
0: That's amazing. God bless her, Mary, and thank you so much for the call. You have a good weekend.
6: Thanks, Joe. You too.
0: Thank Go you. Bills. Go Bills. Mary in West Seneca opens the line for you. CPR and life-saving CPR. Getting CPR training. Uh, performing CPR. Uh, stories of CPR saving lives. We've had some excellent stories. I, I am really, really um, thankful to everyone who has called and texted in their stories this hour. It's been absolutely incredible to hear these stories, and I hope they keep coming in. We'll, we'll continue this uh, through the 4 o'clock hour. Um, but th- this, is, this is some great stuff, and I'm really, really appreciative for the phone calls. Eight hundred three hundred nine thirty, Star 930, we'll get you on the air. Louise is in Elma. She is next. Uh, Louise, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Louise, I'm doing well this afternoon. What is your, your CPR story?
7: Um, I've had the CPR training and the AED training uh, through where I work, and also I wanted to let people know that you need to have scissors along with the AED because sometimes you might have to cut the person's shirt open in order to attach the gel pads.
0: So it's not as simple. If you have one of those AED containers that we've seen around a building, there should be a pair of scissors in with the AED? Correct. Yes.
7: It's not in the it should be in the same unit. It's not in the actual AED. Like when you buy it, it doesn't come with the scissors. You have to buy scissors separately.
0: Now, uh, Louise, let me ask you. So you've uh, you've been trained for CPR and uh, AED. And do you get recertified every year, every two years? It's supposed to be every two years. Yeah, I'm waiting for the training to come up again where I work. Now, what does the because we've heard about the uh, the CPR? What does the AED training? Do you actually practice with an actual AED unit? How, how does that go? Oh, uh, they
7: give you a dummy, so uh, they teach you how to do it, and then they teach you how to use the AED and what to say. Like they said, but one of the most important things is to recognize that the person needs uh, CPR, and they teach you okay check to see if the person's um, responding, do you need help, Uh, they teach you exactly what to say, to point to somebody, you call 911, they teach you all the emergency steps, and then uh, in order to uh, get started, you need to know the person really needs CPR.
0: You know, we've heard, we heard Emily's story. I want to go back to Emily and, you know, jumping in, um, you know, not freaking out or anything, jumping in to, to perform CPR. Do you think with the training, Louise, if that situation presented itself, you would be, you know, you could put the, because for me, I don't know if I could put the freaking out aside to go and go through what I've been trained to do. Do you think the training helps with that?
7: Definitely. And, To make sure you get uh, the recertification every two years is huge because if you don't use it in two years, um, you're going to lose that information and you might get freaked out. You might forget those beginning steps like point to somebody, you call 911, you get the AED and then you start, you yourself start the the pumping on the person to make sure that they're getting the, the oxygen and the blood flowing.
0: Hey, Louise, uh, appreciate the call and appreciate you being trained and getting that recertification any day now. Uh, Louise, you have yourself a good weekend. Thank you. That is Louise and Elma. Uh, getting that training, getting recertified every two years. Uh, I, I, again, I think more and more people are at least looking into CPR training after what happened on Monday um, and I just I don't want that to go away. I'm hoping these stories are just reminding people. All right. Yeah, it was just Monday. And um, I hope this pushes a lot of people to get CPR training. Like I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find the class that works with my schedule and, and, and uh, get certified. And uh, I'm not saying that for, oh, Joe, you're so good for kings. Getting- I think everyone should. I don't think it should be the thing where, you know, we go, hey, good for you. I think we should all be doing it. Um, and I really hope here in Western New York that push continues. eight zero three zero nine thirty star nine thirty. That is the number to get on. That's also the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. eight zero three zero nine thirty. Two hours down, two hours to go. Taking your calls after this.